my top five podcasters, Chris, 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 Chris Lambert, and probably myself, but this ain't about that. The mundane festival is where you at. If you've been tapped in, you know what's up. If you're a first-timer, hey, welcome to the club. The cost of admission is simply a subscription. Then rating and reviewing it wherever you listen. Don't worry about change-ups. The cast won't break up. Even with that million-dollar contract, show up a stand-up guy who's a stand-up comedian with a stance on everything from food to media. So welcome to the show. Please take your seat. Let's find out what he's got in store this week. Who, me? I'm Don. Will you open the act? Thanks for coming out. Please clap. The Mundane Festival with your host, Chris Lambert. everybody welcome back to another edition of the mundane festival podcast i'm your host christopher lambert recording this episode for sunday december 17th 2023 happy birthday mom remember as always you can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening apparatus if you're really into this thing go over to Apple podcasts or wherever you listen give this show a five-star review uh it makes me feel good about myself and most of the life decisions i've made um, and if you, you really like the show, you can go over to patreon.com slash mundane festival and subscribe It's three bucks a month for hours and hours and hours of bonus content. This is episode 691, I believe. And I'm not alone much to your joy. I have someone, you know, and love comedian, actor, writer, Brandon Collins of medium popcorn and comedy outliers. How are you, Brandon? I'm good, man. I'm good. I appreciate you adding actor there. I haven't done a, I haven't done on-screen actor in quite some time, but you know, I, I act every day, so I appreciate it. All the world is a stage, and all the men and women merely yeah. players. So, I know how That's, it is. You've done it before. It it counts. Yeah, I mean, my my day job. I'm a completely different brand, and so that is acting. You know, what I mean, and I mean, I mean, I think that's most people. Like, it's. Yeah. I mean, you you sometimes. I don't know if you dim your light. But you just try not to, you just try not to rock the boat. I know, I know how that goes at the day job. Sometimes people say stuff, and you just you just say, "Oh, all right." Yeah. Not I do a yeah I do like you know I, I know a media popcorn. You've often you and Justin give me shit about mixing up people's names and like oh god you will fuck up and, a name boy yeah mixing up names and uh, that happened at work recently. So there's like this uh, oh, there's no. this, the, yeah like the the, the the coworkers got a little glimpse into Brandon's kind of fractured mind. Mm-hmm. I thought they said oh Brandon reach out for the donation at uh like forgiveness cakes. But actually, it was for goodness sake, uh, cakes, which is a play on for goodness sakes. Sure. And I was like, that makes a lot more sense. Because <laughs> I was looking up like forgiveness cakes. And they're like, what? Like, that's not a. I was like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I think I have an auditory issue. I think that's all it is. And you guys are going to be feeling sad when I get diagnosed with being like hard of hearing officially. So. And we'll understand you more. We'll understand <laughs> the, the method behind the madness, I guess. <laughs> And we're like, oh, well, that's why. That makes sense. Um, so how have you been, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm I'm I've just been like keeping my head above water, you know, like things have been kind of 
crazy, like kind of getting my footing back with like a uh, balancing day job, like podcasting and writing like this. I'm working on, it's hard to have a full-time job. Like, and then like some other side hustles when oh you also God. like got a, a rep, like, Hey, where's that new draft or like, Hey, what's going on with this thing? And it's like, are you going to still do this show? And so it's, it's been a lot, but I'm starting to solidify my plan for 2024, especially like Q1. I have like a lot of meetings set up. I have like a, a goal in mind, like right after I'm done with this, I'm going back to work on this draft uh, that I owe by the end of the year. And um, yeah, I got I got some really cool meetings coming up. Uh, one I'll tell you off about offline. It's next sure. Monday because I think you're going to really appreciate who I'm meeting with. Um, and so it's exciting, but it's also completely terrifying because, you know, a year and a half ago, I did a huge pivot. And now I'm kind of slowly like in this transition phase, figuring out like what the next step is. And it's, it feels like I'm going to do another pivot in 2024. I just don't know when it's going to happen. And that's a little stressful because I'm a planner. And so it's just the only thing that's keeping me saying these are these movies, these screeners and like kind of like what's out there and like how are people writing these stories? That's the thing that's keeping me going like on a creative side of things. I hear you. No, just and just know in whatever big meeting, you know, it is whoever it is, know that you're enough. You're supposed to be there. And it's all it's always good to have, uh, I guess, butterflies and anxieties, but not to let it cripple you into uh, your greatness. Mm, yep. I have to, I, you know, that's my therapist every Monday. He's like, Brandon, stop undermining yourself. It's OK to want what you want. You know, it's like. Uh-huh. But I was raised as like I was always told I have <clears throat> sorry um, only child syndrome, so I was always kind of like teased that I was like always selfish. It was like, well, I'm raised by myself. Like it's not like I had like regular play dates. I didn't have like close cousins. Like yeah, it's hard for me. Like it's it was a hard adjustment for me to learn how to share, and not just because I didn't want to share. It's just like it's it's a tough thing. So hearing that so much when you're growing up, like that you're you know you have selfish tendencies, it's hard for you to be confident in like the way that you kind of need to be the way we see some of our peers blowing up. Cause they have uh-huh. that, that swagger, that confidence. Cause I'm like, I've been told to kind of undercut myself. So I don't feel like an asshole. You know what I mean? I think it's a happy medium. I think about that too. Like when you talk about pivots or just making different changes in your life to maybe, I don't know if you, if upgrade yourself as a person is a thing, but mm. to try to be a better person, you, you make these clear cut decisions to say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put myself in this type of situation or I'm going to try to, because I'm an only child too. And I think about that a lot too, like where it's like, Oh, am I putting somebody else uh, ahead of me in the right way? You know, not, not to, uh, Mm. not to fit in, but just because it's the right thing to do. Or if, if you feel like, I mean, it helps you be more present and, and more completely human. Obviously you've done that in a major way. You're, you've been married for a few years, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. But it's also like, uh, you know, I have someone that also like was re- like, she was a Tati was an only child for about 14 years. Like she didn't have, okay. well, I mean, she had a half sister, but like, you know, she would see her sporadically, but like her sister that lived with her wasn't around till she was 14 years old. You know what yeah. I mean? So, um, but she's able to kind of like, call out some of my tendencies without making me feel like I need to make myself less. Yeah. You know what I mean, she's very good at like identifying, like, here's where I think you should like be your full self. Don't hold back, like be confident. And here's like, you know, 
maybe pull it back a little bit or be mindful of like, you know, your behaviors and how you, you know, communicate right. what you want and stuff like that. Like right. Read the room a little bit better. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, interesting that you just brought all this up. Cause I, that's definitely something I think therapy helps. Yeah. I think and yeah, having a partner that will call you out on it and not only call you out, but just say, Hey, this is what you can do here. And you're doing this well. And, you know, it, I think as artists, you, you, you're, you're constantly checking yourself in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I, I know I'm, I, I'm always. Do doing you think? That. Do you think that we, as men of color, do that more often than our white peers? Though, I feel like that's that's kind of that holding ourselves back thing. Mm-hmm. But we also face more severe consequences because of the limited opportunities that we get. You know, it's, I think it's so. tough. I think so. And it, it's stuff that black men don't really talk about that much. Uh, you, you're, you're taught to just be strong. And I think black women are in a lot of ways taught that way too, to be strong and nothing really bothers you because you're a strong black man or woman, but black men, uh, because that's all I've ever been. And to be a black man advocate, not onto the side of where we're, uh, we got to demean women, <laughs> but just to the, oh, yeah. just to the extent Jesus. of just saying like, Oh yeah, this I'm going through this. It's because of how I fit in this American Western society. This is what I'm going through. And I have to be mindful of this and, uh, and be aware of it, but just, just to not use it as a crutch. But I think yep. it's good to point that stuff out that black dudes don't, I think it's it's new. I think a lot of it's new. And I think we're on training wheels in a lot of ways as black men cuz we're now at the point where a lot of people do talk about stuff. Yes. A lot of people talk about their feelings and anxieties and their hopes and dreams and all that stuff and I think we're just maturing as a culture. I just think and I think that's a good thing. Now I'm I'm very much an advocate for talking about your mental health and your struggles and stuff like that, but only if you're doing the work by getting help. On mm-hmm. it. I think yeah. a lot of people are very much like I have anxiety, like don't bring this pressure on me, or like you know this is why I couldn't do this thing because of my crippling anxiety or yeah my trauma and stuff. But then it's like, well, are you talking to somebody about? It? I'm on the podcast with you, like that's not therapy. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like that's that happens a lot, yeah. and that's uh especially with younger people. They're using these words that yes, they might be real diagnosis of what you're going through, but if you're not taking the time to to work on yourself, like whether it's therapy, um like, you know, doing mental health exercises, things like that, then it's, you're just telling me what your problem is, but you're not actually working towards the solution. And then you're offsetting that out to other people, which then yeah. you don't know what I'm going through, you know, like it's, right. you know, I'm going through that with my family right now, like with some family members where it's like, okay, like I need you to do the work. Like you giving me a half-assed apology isn't enough. Like I need yeah. to see you doing the work. And then it's yeah. like, well, I'm not going to do that. It's like, well, then I'm not. Why do I have to put all the energy towards making sure we're better by using the things, the tools I'm getting? Mm-hmm. Like, they're not relevant to you sometimes. You know what I mean? We all have different problems. Yeah, I mean that's that's true. You do you do have to put in the work, and and um, yeah, when other people don't do that, 
in some ways you have to separate yourself from them to, in order to, uh, to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, that you lose people sometimes you lose people in life that way, uh, whether it's your family or friends or who, you know, whatever, but yeah, that's, that's that's something to think about. I mean, I, yeah, I think there are growing pains, growing pains that, you know, and it's, and it's, um, I don't, and it shouldn't be looked at as selfish. It should just be like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm evolving in a good way. And I, and I'm trying to be a better person. And these are things that I've been working on. And the key thing that you say is not to bring it on anybody else. And when I, I know if something's been done to me and if I'm just because I'm in a bad mood or I'm in a situation that I'm dealing with, I don't need to bring that on somebody else or dump that yeah. on. Cause that, that, that shit and families do that a lot. Oh yeah. And, yeah. uh, it's a part of, I, uh, that a lot of it. I know people didn't like black as fuck. I thought it was a great show. Uh, you did. I, try, I, I couldn't get past like two episodes. I was like, the, uh, one of the things I really appreciate the way that they titled stuff because of slavery okay. <laughs> and it's like yep, yep. a lot of that shit stems from slavery the way that we were treated you want to you want to talk about trauma you know how that's brought on how we act the yeah. way we act it's so wild it's like oh black people are so ghetto it's like y'all literally kept us for decades from being educated like what do uh-huh. you expect <laughs> yeah and i don't think we i i think we're i We'll talk about this when we 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 we're gonna we're gonna talk about American fiction and because I, I think this is all relevant towards it is American very much so in a lot of ways very much so and and uh, you know it's it's one of the things that the main character has to go through you got got to get over your own shit, bro. I know you want to talk about a few other things, but just uh, Monk, I've never felt more like this would be me if I didn't have Tati. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this, like kind of like self. Uh, we'll talk about it. Like I just, I was terrified when I saw Jeffrey Rats. Well, there's two the movies. Movie. There's two movies that made me feel that way. And in, in the same year, this one and Shortcomings. Uh, okay. The joint that was my man from uh, Randall from Park, right? Randall Park. I never. I I was supposed to see that for Tribeca. I missed the screening. I think I went to go see Element instead. Mm. Um, it's good. I think it's very good. It's one of the okay. best I've seen this year. I've heard good things. And I can see like, oh, that's some of me in there. Ooh, not great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's art, though, man. That's what you're supposed to do. Like, that's, yeah. you know, especially as artists, I think that that's, like, the thing for me, like, as a, as a writer, especially given, like, what I went through, like, in L.A. and stuff like that. And I've learned a lot of lessons about how to navigate my career going forward. But there's a lot of things that are happening with with monk um where i was like yep i had a meeting like this yeah like adam brody's character i literally had a meeting like that where it's like hey man tell me about your life tell me about the streets and i'm like well i've heard of suburbs man i don't know <laughs> like, yeah well, like, they, the, the suburbs were tough too as a black man you know? i've had the uh i've had auditions like that for they want you to be urban or not think oh yeah do it it was like well i'm an actor i can do i can do that you know but it's like but it's not, but it's going to be 
a reality to it. It's not going to be just something mm. put on. It's going to be something that's uh, fully fleshed out. But let's let's before we get into it, let's briefly talk about your. I wanted to know what you thought about the Golden Globe nominations. Uh, they went out earlier this week. Yep, last week that we were recording during the week that it went out. But you know what I mean. Yep, I okay. I think. I think Golden Globes, you know, they do their own thing. I'm curious to see how this all works out because um, who's hosting it this year? Have they announced even, the host yet? I don't even know. Because they just announced Anthony, Ma- uh, not Anthony Mackey, Anthony Anderson's hosting the uh, Emmys, right? I don't even, I don't know. Let's yeah, see. Anthony Mackey, that would be crazy. Um, listen, there's a lot of movies here I liked. Yeah. There's a lot of movies I liked. You know, Oppenheimer, um, Past Lives. I got to watch Zone of Interest and Anatomy of a Fall. I have screeners for those. Yeah, I, I liked see. Barbie. American Fiction, I really enjoyed. Holdovers, I loved. Like, hold, have you seen Holdovers yet? I did. What What did you think about... I've heard about the Divine Joy Randolph character. It's like... I thought she was... A, I thought it was a great performance. It's almost like she was almost there to just be like... You don't want to be, you see how bad her life is and shit. And I was like, Ugh. well, it's interesting. So I, you know, um, this is, this doesn't color my, my, you know, my review of it. Um, but I did interview her like two days ago. Okay. And she actually spoke about the thing that drew her into that character was at that time, JFK just got assassinated. RFK got assassinated. MLK was along, um, you know, before that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it was such a fucked up time in American society. It's such a fucked up time to be a black person. And you kind of like suffered in silence, yeah. right? especially at an institution like this. And then um, she said that she had a moment with Alexander Payne where she was like, she's like, I don't want it to happen, but how come none of these white boys are dropping M bombs or anything like that? And Alexander Payne said, with this isolated world, these white kids, they're not even thinking about you. And she's like, that's like, the end for my character like that mm-hmm. loneliness and that ice and for me that made her performance even more powerful now i think it's between her and daniel brooks for best supporting actress i think daniel might be able to eke it out i know divine's got a lot of momentum right now or color purple um, yeah but okay. um i i thought she was great i thought the whole i thought that kid they got um and holdovers were great like when he said that one line about uh and i thought all the nazis were uh hiding in like switzerland or some shit mm-hmm like about Paul Giamatti, I laughed so hard there that lot. And also, there's just nothing better than sad Paul Giamatti. Yeah, it's like, a, it's a especially good, in a pain movie. Like, well, Alexander Payne's one of my favorites. I mean, uh, Election's one of my all time favorite movies. Yeah. And he's not. The Descendants gonna, was really good. Yeah. Um, he's not going to deliver a bad movie. No. I was just thinking I, I about that. I and, wasn't a fan of Nebraska though. Like Nebraska was just too slow for me, but I I got why yeah. people liked it. I got like I was like it was good, it, it, but it wasn't. I'd have to see it again, but I just thought oh, good movie. Yeah, that's it. Um, what else uh, stood out to me? So, best actor. I think that's going to be messy this year, like award season in general. Yeah, um, that's going to be all over the place. Um. I gotta watch uh, the Anne uh, Annette Benning movie that's on Netflix, N- Niad or whatever, Niad or whatever. Yeah. I gotta watch that because apparently her and Jodie Foster are incredible in it. I haven't seen um, that one either. I still have to watch Maestro. I have the the screener. I'm probably gonna watch that this weekend. Um, 
the only the biggest thing for me in film that pissed me off was that color purple was omitted from best musical i'm like how sway how really yeah man it's crazy maybe Um, you think maybe but as long as the oscar if the right people because they are supposed to get nominated hopefully they will yeah and then also for me best supporting actor i've sterling k brown we're going to talk about it he needs to be in there i thought he was phenomenal i honestly think without getting too spoilery i think tracy ellis ross tracy ellis ross had two great performances this year one was in this uh, uh american fiction and another was in this movie i think it just got distribution where it's um she's like this uh she's this cnn journalist mm-hmm. and um she has an intern it's about this young intern trying to like get this story that like tracy ellis ross's character will feature and that's like the the big purpose of getting this like getting in her course and getting an internship with her and tracy ellis ross is so fucking evil but it's such a great performance and i'm blanking on the name because i think it might change i think i feel I like saw it at tribeca okay saw it at tribeca okay. and it's phenomenal um and i'm just like why does she keep getting slept on uh, and you know because it can't be the nepotism and people are turned off no. by that because nepo baby shit that's that's here to stay no um, i listened to her in a press i mean that gets you in the door but you gotta stay i mean i remember when she was like on fucking the lyricist lounge show and maybe uh like on mtv with most deaf and uh all those rappers and stuff yeah she's been around for a while and she just kind of rose to prominence with like oh she was in girlfriends but like blackish yeah. I even like that movie with our boy. Uh, what's our boy? Kelvin Harrison Jr. Oh, yeah. The the high note. The high, that was fucking great. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Those movies. Like, I think I was talking to Sam on. Uh, and I kind of want your take on this before we get a little deeper. In this. The Hollywood movies. That's like, it's just a good ass movie. We're not trying to really win any awards. They come out in like the spring or summer or even January is usually the dead period for new stuff. But I always find stuff that I like. You know what I mean? Um, What like those I'm trying to I'm looking at my my looking over at my my DVD rack. But I'm looking at like I'm still I'm still seeing like I'm just trying to think like the high note was just one of those movies where it was like. Yeah, that it was, was good. Good ass. Which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Tati and I watched it one day. Like, you know, Kevin, Kevin Harrison Jr., whatever he's in, I usually try to check out. Oh, um, everything um, he's in. And uh, yeah, we were just like, this is good. Like, mm-hmm. a little bit too much Dakota Johnson, but it was good. <laughs> I didn't mind her. She's pleasant. She's, you I know, think like, they, yeah. I think for me, it's just they shoved her down our throat, like with movies like Social Network versus mm-hmm. her naturally just like being there. You know what I mean? Oh, did they sh- you really thought they shoved her down in social network when i, I remember like scene. her opening scene is they they have a close-up on her ass that's not there and then she's uh-huh. like you could have gotten some so many other actresses to do that <laughs> like it's not there it was just like but it's a quick scene with justin timberlake you know what i mean yeah but it's just like now we're turning anybody. into one of those podcasts yeah <laughs> I like her though. I I I enjoy her more than most. Uh, but I, yeah, that was just one of those movies that was just like, yeah, it's really fucking. That's I would good. love to do a reboot of Medium Popcorn and just to follow your lead, where it's just Justin and I talking in Italian voices. Oh. <laughs> just objectify. Oh, you gotta have. Well, JL is gonna, about to corner that market if he really leans into. Oh my god! Yeah, oh my, those voices. That, He's that fucking shit. crazy. 
That shit is hilarious. Um, but yeah, I I just thought, you know, it's for me, my big thing was to see to see American fiction. Be nice to see Jeffrey Wright get a nomination. Yes. It's we'll talk about it, but like I just really was a, a chick became a champion of Greta Lee in uh yeah, I'm in love with her in past lives. It was just sweet lord. It gives you it's all that A24 hype. You see the trailer, you're like, oh, okay. And then you see the critics are talking about it. Can it sustain? It's not I think it can. It's not as it's not as it and it did because she it's got slow. nominated. It's like it's not everything everywhere all at once because it's Asian cast or whatever. It's just a, everything everywhere was more like ostentatious. It was showy, yeah. much showier than this understated film from Celine Song. And, and it's just, like something you had never seen before. It's it's, yeah. it's fucking nuts, right? So I'm hoping. But I think Past Lives will do it. I think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be as like a. I don't think it's going to have the momentum of like a coda or something like that, but yeah. I will say there was a two people at work that brought up past lives randomly. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. have you seen this movie? And I'm like, okay. I mean, it's, and for me, I watched it with my, my mother-in-law and my wife. Yeah. And we had, a, we had a deep conversation afterwards about like love and relationships and like, you know, like, and we actually were very intrigued by how, and it's not a spoiler, I don't think, but how they work the white husband in. Yeah. And his reaction to everything. I thought that that was actually, that's like a real partner that you want. You don't want the dude who's like, you can't fucking see this person, but that's the easy route to go, right? Yeah. It's more complex to be like him conflicted. Like, I don't want to get in the way of my wife's happiness. Yeah. If this is truly possibly what she wants to do, or if she at least wants to let this guy shoot a shot and see what, I, like, you know what I mean? It was, mm-hmm. and that last scene in the apartment when he says, it's, we could do a whole review on that. Like I yeah. thought past lives, like I, I remember you telling me it's good. It's good. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. And then I was like, it was, it was good. Veronica and I discussed it, um, uh, months ago, like when it came out, but yeah, that's, that was, that was only my only agenda. I was really kind of pushing for them. And then, you know, hopefully, uh, Jeffrey Wright will get a nomination, but yeah, the, these movies, I think this was a good year. You know, we came off of COVID a little bit, you know. I'm worried, though, about... Are you worried about the people of color stuff being pushed out? Uh, You know, the only performance that, like, I have not seen anything better than what Greta Lee did. Uh, I would even put Tiana Taylor up there. I was telling Sam from Firestarter that that was a terrific performance came out in January. It came out almost yeah. a year ago. They did some screenings, but I went to a disastrous tr- screening a yeah. few weeks ago at Animal Draft House. Disastrous. That, of that movie? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, um, which one? For um, a thousand, a thousand, a thousand one. But which, but was it which draft house? I mean, Oh, the, the lower Manhattan one. Oh, like, it's, it's more, I think of it. I get it. Like, uh, it was the week I think Tiana, like it just got in the news that she was divorcing her husband. Okay. Um, the night before they just won a Gotham award. So Mm -hmm. I think that they, it just, I think it was just probably too much like back to back. Yeah. Um, but then essentially the people that organized it, we were supposed to get like, we were supposed to get a Q and a with the talent. Mm -hmm. Um, we were supposed to get like, you know, like all these, we were supposed to have reception stuff. Like they've really been doing it up for the critics this year. Like, yeah, appreciate it. And also, this movie's on Amazon Prime, so right. And if, if anything, we're kind of taking a financial L to come to the screening, 
right? Mm-hmm. And we get there, and like five minutes before it's supposed to start, they start letting people in. They're like, oh, by the way, no one from the movie is going to be here. Damn. And then we were like, okay, I mean, we're already here. And like Tatiana hadn't seen us, so we go to the theater. Mind you, Alamo, you're supposed to be able to order food and stuff like that. They had a strict menu for the screening. So it was just popcorn and like snacks. And I was like, well, I want to use my free food coupon to get an entree. Like, and then we want to order like maybe some drinks yeah. and stuff. And they're like, yeah, but we can't do that right now. Like, their mad. system was all fucked up. And so we were like, what? It, it was a whole thing. They had to make an announcement, like set us up. It was, it was cluster but the movie was good yeah <laughs> Long story yeah. Is the movie was good she's fucking bad as hell man jesus she's, christ she's incredible in this and it's like i was like oh because when i saw it i saw it it was very unceremonious i went to the amc in ridgefield park and ridgefield park is like <laughs> an office park and that at that amc very like low-key and for some reason they get the good joints that i like uh and it was just yeah. like uh this is everybody's got to beat her my mm, only thing okay. was like my only thing was like okay is this gonna last no and it didn't but i mean that performance that's gonna get her work for the for the, as long as she wants it i'm uh i'm watching i'm watching origin later if it's okay. Bernays new movie because I've heard nothing but great things. Every critic that sees it, they're like, this is phenomenal. I don't know why no one's talking about it. Yeah. Um, it sounds like that's going to get overlooked. And I'm a little worried about, if we're talking about just film, I'm worried about American fiction being overlooked. I don't think so, because that's kind of a darling. But I, I worry that it's not, I think it's like right down the middle. Like when the first was starting to air, like at film festivals, it's uh-huh. getting a lot of hype. And now that... I think people, more people are starting to see it. I think black people are starting to fuck with it more and yeah. white people are starting to like, be like, I think anything that like kind of really is like direct and like, this is how like black people feel in today's mm-hmm. society. I think white critics, especially are starting to step further, further back from that. Like I'm not forced oh. anymore to entertain this kind of thing. So let me step. Like, I don't need to see this if I don't need to, like people are not going to see the screener, the screenings for origin. Like they're just like, Oh, what's it about? No, I don't need to do that. Yeah, they don't want to. I was watching a bunch of press for the for American Fiction and watching the actors uh, talk about it, and and it just seemed like, man, it just seemed like they were loving it and slurping it up. But um, that's that's unfortunate because well, I think now the after strike is over, I think yeah. they could get some momentum back. Yeah. I will say when I saw a screen, I think I told uh, talked to you and another comedian about this, and I'm not yeah. speaking out of turn because. You know, they put themselves out there. Yeah. But I was like, Corey Jefferson needs to do fewer roundtables and oh, really? engage. Yeah, he there's a period where like after the screen for American Fiction that we saw, and Tati's been like I think two or three of them now. Okay. Um Corey Jefferson was at the first one because the after the strike was still going on. And at first, like he was saying some really great things. And then he slowly started saying things that were like putting his foot in his mouth. Um, I, I think I texted you guys a little bit of what he was saying. I can't remember his exact quotes because it's so, so while ago. Was, but, but I remember Tati leaned over me. She's like, he needs to stop talking. Really? <laughs> like, she was like, you need it to. It didn't seem like now. Now, I think the stuff, <laughs> let me, I'm just going to look at the dates on some of the stuff I looked at. Because a lot of these interviews and stuff, at least the stuff with him, because of the strike, maybe this was done during the film, like the festival circuit and not mm, like. Yeah not recent but uh i know i had a chance to go see see them 
see a screening about two weeks ago and i was like oh, the traffic. <laughs> so i didn't do it and then yeah. uh so I yeah they've been doing got- a lot of screenings for it which is great because um, yeah. Tati went to a screening two days ago with Tracy Alice Ross and uh, the actress that played the mom were doing a panel. Um, yeah. And so they're, they're trying to get the word out. I think it's just that um, I think people are very selective on like who they want to see and who they want to yeah. be around. And I think, I think Jeffrey Wright, like he's, you know, he's a thespian. He's well-respected, but I don't think he has to, I think if a critic has the choice between going to a screening Q and a for May, December and going for one for American fiction, or like Oppenheimer in American fiction, they're going to go for the one with the white stars. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that that's going to always be the the thing that's unfortunate about this business. The one I saw, at least the MVAAFF film festival looks like, was three months three months ago. Okay. So that was, he would have been by himself. And I thought that was good. 11 days ago he did one on with the the rap it looks like they did a Q&A after screening Core Jefferson Sterling K Brown Tracy Ellis Ross and um the the brother the Puerto Rican brother John Ortiz Oh dude he made the dark he, that agent said some of the most dark fucking things I've seen those cinema in a long time, and he pulled it off. Let's talk. Let's go and let's get in. He pulled let's it off. When he talked it. about the debt, like he made the reference about shitty or something, he's like, oh, yeah, you're dead. Like, yeah, yeah, oh. I, yeah. So, <laughs> and he pulled it off. Like, we all, yeah. people were dying. I was like, yo, like, that's the kind of humor I want to come back. I want that right. kind of like really dark, but yet honest humor. Yeah. To come back where we can laugh about it and know it's fucked up, but it's right. okay. Like, because if we just keep it in, that's what creates all this anger. That's what's creating all this like anxiety and frustration. Like there's no release. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think if I swear to God, I think if politicians were just like, yeah, like what I said is fucking crazy. Right. <laughs> like, and that's why just, like, Trump was so refreshing yeah. to a lot of people, but that was still not the guy that should have nah. been. No, not us. And people were like, huh, I don't want to talk about it. But, yeah. Let's so let's do it. Let's we'll, we'll, I'll read the, so at this point, We've talked maybe 15, 20 minutes. This podcast is what it is. And when I have somebody that's we both seen a movie, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna spoil it. If you are haven't seen it, this is probably your chance Spoiling to your cut face. it off. And we got the man, one of the one half of me and popcorn. We're gonna spoil this movie in your face. Mm-hmm. Um so American <laughs> fiction written and directed by Cord Jefferson. Uh, Thelonious Monk, this is the letterbox blurb, Thelonious Monk Ellison's writing career has stalled because his work isn't deemed black enough. Monk, a writer and English professor, writes a satirical novel under a pseudonym aiming to expose the publishing world's hypocrisies. The book's immediate success forces him to get deeper enmeshed in his assumed identity and challenges his closely held worldviews. This movie stars Jeffrey Wright, Tracy Ellis Ross, Erica Alexander, Leslie Uggam, Sterling K. Brown, and Issa Rae. Really great cast. Um, Let's talk about your overall thoughts. Talk about your overall thoughts on this one, Brandon. Well, I went into this movie. I just saw the trailer. I only seen the trailer. I didn't know it was an adaptation of a book. I love the poster. Um, I love the cast. I mean, Jeffrey Wright, I've been a fan of his since I saw him in Shaft. He was yeah. the only shot of people who are people's Hernandez. I like, that's one of the best builds of all time. Um, 
And, and before so you go I was, on, before you go on, this, so it, it was based on a, a novel, Erasure by Percival yep. Everett. Yep. And, you know, I, and the only other impression I had of this movie was from a fellow comedian of ours um, who did not have such a great experience working with the writer, the director. So I was like, I don't know what this is going to be. Right. And so I watched it and I was incredibly uncomfortable. I was incredibly sad at times. I laughed hard at a lot of things. And I, I get so inspired when I see black creative art and black excellence on screen, whether it's performance, whether it's writing, whether it's cinematography, whether it's directing, I felt like this had everything like, you know, and between this color purple and Rustin, I'm like, we are doing it. Like we're, we're, we're doing it. And for me with American fiction, it did talk about the isolation you feel as a writer. It talked about, um, having to deal with ailing family members, um, unexpected family complications, financial burden of, especially because my grandfather has dementia. And unfortunately, um, it just, a lot of family stuff has happened where he's not in the best place that he, I feel like he should be given all the work he's done in his life, but I'm not in a financial position to, to put him where I, I feel like he deserves. And, you know, Monk kind of goes through that a little bit, which is one of the reasons why he does end up doing what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of things in this movie that I related to, especially like kind of finding being authentic to your voice while people are like, is this really black? You know, like, or yeah. like you're trying to stand up for like, this isn't representative of the black experience. And the people are like, I don't, I don't care. Or like, what does that mean? You know, because they don't know what that means. Like they can't relate to it. And then you, and then how much are you willing to compromise and how much are you willing to force your views of what you think life should be and how you should handle yourself and conduct yourself onto others. You know, I thought that the monk um, cliff relationship was very, very interesting Hmm. because he's seen his brother kind of, he thinks it's like a downward spiral, but it's like more like his brother's like, no, I'm liberated. Like things ain't great, but I'm doing me, you know what I mean? I'm doing me to the best of my ability. Obviously there's other things. Might have a drug problem, but yeah, Yeah, there's other things going on there, but I, and then you, but then you get more context from Cliff and the mom. And now you're like, got it. That's why we, we saw, that's why Sterling K Brown took so long to come to the movie. Cause he's like, I'm not fucking going around mom and shit. Like, yeah. why would I do that? You know what I mean? And man, I, I love this movie. It's, it's definitely my top five of the year. It's, um, it's phenomenal. I thought the screenplay was great. I thought the ending, the different alternate takes mm-hmm. were great. Um, I love that there was, there's no resolution with the love story where he's like, I can't get her to return my calls. And I was like, that's, that's the realest, that's the realest outcome. Like he did, he did say that he did say that to Adam Brody. I I can, she can't, she's not returning my calls. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, that's real. Like for me, like I, I, like I was like, Oh, but then I'm like, but that happens though. The way he was treated, the way he talked to her during that last moment with them at her house, at her house, I was like, monk, you, you, like you always, you were, you're a bit, you've been an asshole, but bro, like she don't deserve this. Just tell her, just tell yeah. her what's going on. Yeah. He, I thought he could still had a chance to, I wanted him to get her back, but let's, let's talk about this, man. So we got, I, I agree echoing everything you said. I was, when I saw the trailer, I was like, Ooh, shit. I'm excited about <laughs> this one. And I was like, Jeffrey Wright in a comedy. And yep. and it's like, oh, this is going to be fun. And it's so we're talking about blackness, being a creative, 
kind of put me in the mind of even though Core Jefferson said like he looked at um he looked at Hollywood Shuffle as a blueprint. Yes. He also mentioned in an interview or Q and A, uh, the squid and the whale, Noah Baumbach's squid and the whale. Oh yeah, yeah. And which I don't is, quite see that one, but I see it because of just family, the family dynamics. Okay. And and it, and affluent affluent family dynamics at that, mm. where like, and it was funny. It was sharp. To give you an example, because not to be like. I don't think we ever veer into this when when we on your podcast or on this one, but for I think it's just organic because I always say that black people. I'm just speaking from a black perspective. When we consume media, we can always find ourselves in characters, no matter what race they are. Mm. White people have a harder time doing that. Yes. So. Uh, when I saw Squid in the Whale, I'm suburban black dude. I'm in, I'm 25. Me and my cousin uh, go to see this, and like, I was like, oh, I, I heard. I just kind of dragged him along. I was like, I heard this movie was. I like this. This movie's gonna be good. Let's go see it. Two black guys in a theater laughing our asses off at that mm. movie. Two, you know. So it's like. I was like, I fucking get it. I know what he's talking about. He's mentioned some other movies too, because it's not because it's not like the the black the black creative who's like, oh, I only watch the the white greats. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like, no, I like I like Alexander Payne. I like Spike Lee. You know, I like you know who everybody Ozu or everybody. Anyway, I'm going off track. This exceeded my expectations. I was so hyped to see this. Um, I was I was fortunate. I got booked at a show at Eastville Comedy Club, and I was like, "Oh, I'm fucking seeing." Because Eastville is like minutes away from Alamo. I was like, "I'm fucking seeing this tonight." Uh, like on some back was it in sync? I'm seeing this tonight. You anyway, <laughs> just trying to make you laugh. Anyway, but no, it, it exceeded my expectations. I love the conversations, like the back room conversation like i think one of my favorite scenes was probably Issa ray and jeffrey wright talking yep. that third ads yeah when he like confronts her want your thoughts on that but from a it just reminded me like off the rip i was like okay is this gonna be like bamboozled where you're gonna create this you're so frustrated you said oh is my audio am i okay can you hear me it sounds like you're talking through your computer versus your microphone now. Just a okay. heads up. Okay. How is it? I don't now? know. Something like maybe I got excited and it modulated or some shit. Yeah, maybe. Is it still it just, up? Like, popped a little bit and then like? Is it? How about now? Um, uh, I mean, it's better. It just it still better. sounds like you're. Uh, it's not. Sm- yeah, I don't know what happened. That was weird. I don't know. I didn't do anything. I didn't jump. I mean, I can still hear you. Okay. So as long as you can hear me and they're not paying for this, but, uh, (laughs) but we'll try to, we'll we'll try to fix, I'll run it through level later. Um, it's just, you know, it exceeded my expectations. It's very good. I thought it was going to be like, Oh, he's doing this bamboozled thing where it's going to get out of hand. And in some ways it does. But the thing that was more, uh, refreshing to me, I didn't know it was going to be this much of a family drama. 
uh, family drama. Yes. The family aspect was, to me, the most compelling thing. And then, like you even alluded to, the fact that he does what he does. One of the catalysts is like, my mom's sick. We need money. And you don't hear. And he's the only one that could take care of her. Because, yeah. you know, Tracy Ellis Ross is like kind of debating, like, I'm here by myself trying to take care of mom. I'm a full-time doctor. Um, and spoiler, but she passes away unexpectedly, like, abruptly. They're like out to yes. lunch. And she, yeah. she dies. And so Monk is like, fuck, now I got to like kind of be back home, take care of my mom, figure this shit out. While I'm also trying to, the publisher doesn't like my current book, so I got to figure something out because I got to get money. And and it's this, the money thing is fascinating to me too because you don't really this doesn't really come up in movies like these. You just think hey, we got it, they got it. Well, because it's usually white people. That's one thing even, I loved about the Falcon. People, with, but yeah. that's the one thing I loved about Falcon with the soldiers. Like Sam's like going to like the bank like. Hey, I'm a superhero. Can I get a loan? Like, like, I was like, right, yeah, how do right. these niggas make money? Like, yeah. but like the thing with writing, and this is what terrified me when I first got to Hollywood and like started learning about the system. It takes so long to get a check. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have all the deals, you could sign a dial line, and until that check gets in your hand, which could take forever, depending on how many people it has to go through for approval. And I was like, oh no. Like, it was like, yeah, you can sign a deal. And then you're waiting like half a year, maybe longer to actually get paid. Jesus. Yeah, man, it, it, that that was that was a thing that I, I like the fact that they brought up money and it cost yeah. it cost this much to put her in one yeah. place. And it cost even more to put her in this other place without a room. And it's just like, did you know, man. did you know about those prices? I knew they were expensive. I mean, yeah. you know how I knew about it? <laughs> the, the Sopranos. Okay. It's just that it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, yeah. yeah. We had to put his mom up, you know, in the house. And she was mad about she was mad about it and all that thousands stuff, of man. dollars a month. Yeah. It's like it's, and it's like if I if I didn't work, if I worked a blue collar job, how do you expect if if you're able to pay that much money a month to take like, you know, to have someone like a, a you know, mental health care facility where they have a good quality of life? then they wouldn't need to be there because they'd be at home with a private aid. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's so crazy the way that the economy and society is just set us all up. If you're not rich, like it's fuck you. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. You get reminded every day. And you, you think about the, the thing that was really strong about this film among other things was just the given circumstances that our hero, I guess our anti-hero uh, monk what he's faced with and he's this frustrated teacher professor writer frustrated writer he's frustrated everything in his life and he gets put on what is it he puts gets put on sabbatical or it sounds like he gets put on an unpaid sabbatical yeah unpaid sabbatical because a a white student felt uncomfortable with the word nigger on the whiteboard when he's just explaining a, a title of a of a a piece that they're working they, on, you know. And they also said, uh, he called a a kid. He he asked the kid if like his parents were Nazis. And he said, "Well, he was German, and based on his rea- his sweaty reaction, they were." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was so fun. And th- and this thing too, a white dude. I'm at the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn, a ten ten screening, fifteen twenty, if that. White yeah. dude in the middle front laughing his ass off at everything 
I was just like, and it was it was a lot of laugh out loud moments. I don't yes. think I've ever, I don't think I've experienced that in a long time in a mm. movie theater where like where there were just like laughs like pop, 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 pop. Yeah. I mean, I laughed really hard. I think my biggest laugh was during the lunch with Adam Brody. And yeah. you know, he's he's keeping his ear out for his mom. Right. But the way he's shifting and stuff like that, I'm like, yo, he's gonna think that it's because he's supposed to be on the run. Yeah. And then, when he's just like abruptly, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> he runs off. I was like, yo, he's gonna get this. What did you think <laughs> of Jeffrey Wright's performance? Oscar worthy? Yes. I think I think Jeffrey Wright had to play the thin line of being incredibly sarcastic and likable enough mm-hmm. where you want him to be okay. Yeah. You, 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 and you know, you see, and I think that's, you know, to your point about this being a family drama, I think that makes more sense because this isn't going to go the route of bamboozle where things get so out of hand and there's right. real like life or death consequences. Cause I kept thinking when, as we get into the third act, I'm like, well, no one's dying, but right. Like Issa Rae's character's already done something like this. So yeah, what is, what is the real bad thing that Monk is doing? And mm-hmm. it was more like he he felt so isolated from everybody and unable to make that deep human connection with anybody that he was unable to be as he was unable to tell people that, what he was really doing and yeah. tell people that he loved like hey I wrote this thing under an alias I don't believe in it but I need to do what I had to do right, right. it's ironic like that he trusts his agent to do this and his yeah. agent kind of becomes a devil on his shoulder egging him on and shit to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's what was really powerful about it. It's like when you create art that is very successful, but maybe you're not the most proud of, like it's something that you're not exactly proud of, but you can't even share that success with anybody because one, you don't, maybe you don't have a partner or like your family doesn't quite get you. And I think that that was what Sterling K Brown's last scene was about where they talked about his, their dad, where he was like, my dad never knew I was gay. And Jeffrey Wright's like, but what if he wouldn't accept you? He's like, but at least he would have known the whole me. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's profoundly sad. And I, it was like bars like that, especially given like me thinking a lot about my family and like the things to, we just never said to each other and still don't say to each other. And I'm like, that's some real shit, man. Like, yeah, I don't know what Court Jefferson's family life is like, but I was like, there's some real shit in the script. According to the Wikipedia, I don't think his mother's side of the family, who was white, accepted that marriage that eventually yeah. uh when they got divorced when he was maybe about yeah. 40 you know, I want to say uh and is but yeah you know that is that is true I mean I, I think um you know we talked about I see a lot of myself in him mm-hmm. where I don't think I'm a I'm an asshole I could be that be that way sometimes I could be morose and negative and everything like that that's why I always give I always joke with JL how JL is how he is in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. but he's, he is, he is completely aware of it and he will tell you of it. Mine is a little bit masked, but then I also know that I need work. And that's why I said, Ooh, fuck. I see that. Of course you meet a woman and you're like, Oh, you like my shit. You like my work. And blah 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 and and i'm going through the things that i'm going through but but that, you got, that you was what was so wild yeah yeah and that's what's just, so wild when he flipped out on her when she likes his new book 
It's like, mm-hmm. but she already said that she likes you. So she already likes your writing. So maybe there's something in this that she connected to that's actually your voice still. Right. Because you can tell her, you. I'm this nigga. Like, yeah. I was just say, like, bro. Well, the best, one of the best scenes in the movie, and I always think about this. I, it makes me think about the, the, it made me think about the Bill Burr. Um, it's not, a, it's not a, I don't know if it was a joke, but I think he was just talking about it on a podcast once where he was like, Sometimes once you and I don't think he he might not be the only, but I I attribute this to him. Once you put something out there, it's not yours anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, even though you have you might have all these good intentions with it, but when you when you put it out there, it becomes the audience's there. It's theirs, and they consume it, they process it. It's cut by whatever their childhood was, and then that's how they interpret it, and it. What did you think about? I feel like that that Johnny Walker uh, was like one of the most interesting scenes in the film. That was also like in your face. Where if you're an artist, it's like what is, what's the level? Because I don't I don't is red the most expensive? Red, blue, and black. No, black, blue, black blue. It's most- blue, blue, black, red. Uh- Green is like in the middle, but that's like a okay. specific kind of shit. And then okay. it's a uh, what's the regular what color? Fuck, I'm I don't like, know. But yeah, fuck. But but just but he was saying how like he only had three bottles, and mm-hmm. most you you always going for the most expensive. But people, some people just went. But this is alcohol. People just want to get fucked up. They just want to get drunk. They're not gonna. <laughs> yeah. They don't care. So it's like, if this is what the people like, then it's okay if you give it to them. And the fact that, like, you had this black woman say, oh, you, you write women well. And they yeah. were connecting. And he was like, oh, okay. And so, like you said, she could see him. She didn't know it was him, but she was attracted to what she read because yep. he wrote it. Yep. It was, and, he, it's, and for me, that's where, bro, that's where it got real for me because, okay. you know, not to bring it back to, to my wife constantly, but that's fine. But my, my relationship, with my wife is those two together where mm-hmm. she, she forgives him. Yeah. Cause I'm constantly doing self-destructive things. It's gotten better. It's gotten better because of therapy, but I'm, I was constantly, and this is like me and like a lot of like relationship and friendships just because of a lot of anger that comes from stuff that happened to me in high school where like I got, you know, I got hurt by like the people closest to me that were supposed to protect me and stuff like that. So I didn't trust, I didn't really trust anybody. I thought if you're trying to get me to trust you, there's something going on. Like, and so I would be self-destructive and be like, I'm going to push you away before you can fuck with me. Right. Yeah. Um, And so, and that takes a lot of work for someone to forgive someone who's, whose behavior is kind of like ingrained in this self-destructive pattern. Right. Yeah. Um, especially as an artist, because we're so fucking temperamental already. And so for me, that was like, oof. When like she said, like when he said like she's not returning my calls, I'm like, that's the alternate reality for me. Dude, that's that's <laughs> that's the alternate. That's this movie, that's shortcomings, that's uh what what's the Damien Chazelle movie? The drummer guy. Oh, whiplash, yep. Whiplash. Yeah. That's all of that shit where the girl She's like, you no, just, this isn't worth like, it. I'm not taking this shit. I'm not, yeah. I don't want this. Fuck off. I don't care how good you are. Fuck you. And that's what Cliff is saying to him. 
Sterling K. Brown is like, you got to let them love all of you. And you fortunately oh, yep. have Tati to say, to love all of you and say, but you got to fix this. And it's like you, you saying, we said at the top of the show, it's like, you got to be willing to do the work. And I think the way it ends, it is a happy ending because he's riding off into the sunset with his with brother. His brother. Yeah. You know, so it's like, so that's, that's, I think that's where there's a victory. And and I'm, I'm going to be positive and say he probably gets back with her. But possibly, but I think possibly not, you know, but I think to your point though, earlier, Chris, uh, this is actually a family drama. I think them driving off together. That's the Don't get, don't get it twisted. Cliff is isolated from his family. Remember he, he got caught with a man by his wife. She left with their kids. The kids don't fuck with him right now. So he's isolated from his family. We saw the mom call him the F word because she's got dementia. So she doesn't control her own emotions. But clearly there's some homophobia there anyway. Yeah. And so to see them, the two of them supporting each other. Right. I imagine that he's helping kind of Cliff like stay clean, maybe. Yeah. Things like that. And it's just I thought that was beautiful. I was like, because they can now lean on each other before siblings were all spread out. Separated, right. Yeah. Right, like it took very big like events or random things for them to come together, and now like for them to be together at the end, I was like, okay, that's where the re- the healing starts. And so for me, right. it was less like Monk will end up with her, but more like Monk is going to be okay. Exactly. It's going to be okay. That's you know? more. And I think that's, that's more than enough. That's more than more important. And you, I agree with you a hundred percent. But it's like I want him to get the girl too. This is I know, you, but. You, but to your point, I want to talk about about Cliff. What did you? Everybody points to the scene where they're dancing, and she says, "I always knew you weren't a queer or whatever." And that's a great scene. The I think one of the last times that that Monk talks to his mom, and she says, "You're a genius," and she thinks she's talking to Clifford. Yep. What did you think of that? Like, I thought, like, oh, okay, like. There's more to Clifford. Obviously, he's a well, is it plastic surgeon or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it was very clear that like you know they're all successful in their own yeah. different ways. And I think for Cliff, he probably is the smartest. It's just that he got he went the furthest away because probably between the mom and the dad, he's like, I gotta get the fuck out of Dodge, right? Yeah. Um, I think probably Monk is the most creative. Yeah, but I think the problem with Monk and everyone kind of talked about this that Monk was too much like his dad. Mm. Maybe not in the cheating way, but like Monk's temper, his attitude, like he was just he reminded everybody of the dad, and yeah. it sounded like the dad was miserable and so probably not the best person to be around. He also killed himself in yeah. a very violent way that traumatized the family. So I think that that's why. It was just very interesting. You had to listen to those little lines, though, to get like yes. the dynamic and how everyone fit into this kind of dysfunctional family. And mm-hmm. that's also why um, I'm blanking on the 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 woman who was like kind of the 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 not the the nanny, but uh oh, like the um, maid maid kind of like, helper, the best friend Lorraine, of the mom. Lorraine. Lorraine, yeah, who who um you know has a beautiful little subplot where she gets married to the local uh policeman at the Maynard. near the beach house um, yeah. and i love that Corey jefferson said they really like he was really pushed to cut that marriage the wedding yeah. but he kept it in he's like cuz that's important that's important for these people to see what love could look like without mm-hmm. without it being 
overbearing, like for right. for the characters and for the audience. And I I thought that was I thought that was real because I'm like they've seen so much dysfunction, especially during the story. It's going to be reminded that love conquers all, right? Whether and it's romantically great. or it's like you know with family. And she accepts yep. him when he's having his little fuck fest at the beach house. She's immediately like, "Y'all can stay. Like, calm down. You're, we're family." And like, Sterling K. Brown had some moments where I'm like, "That's." That's an Oscar moment. That's an Oscar moment. I think Jeffrey Wright's steady throughout the whole time. He's and a straight that's, man. Yeah, but again, Sterling K. Brown, I think, needs to be in a conversation. I haven't seen poor things. I know they're like Willem Dafoe, Mark Wobbler kind of bumping him down. Um, but yes, it should be Ryan Gosling, Robert Downey Jr., the Char- Charles Milton, Sterling K. Brown. That should be yeah. the top four at the very least. I saw poor things yesterday. It's It's solid. Yorgos Lanthimos, you know, but and and Mark Ruffalo did take some risks, which I did like. Okay, um, he's a very just, interesting actor. He's, yeah, he's very he's, interesting. I've been a fan of his since You Can Count on Me. You know, like that was, that was yeah, over yeah. twenty years ago. But yeah, like I, I really, I really thought that I liked that performance from Sterling K. Brown. I thought it was um, a lot of this stuff, man, was just very subtle. It wasn't over the top. And it was just kind of like, the, like you said, with the script, how, oh, you find things out this way or you find yep. it's just it was just so meticulously done and it was just done well. And and the 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 Maynard Lorraine story was really sweet. And that's like a Shakespeare thing, like things kind of end in a wedding or, or, or like at a comedy supposed to have a wedding in it. Um, and it's like, it was like, yeah, I, all this all encompassing piece where you don't really get to see black people coming home. The indie movies, the, 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 you know, you're going to see my girl who did Barbie, Greta Gerwig before her rise to fame. She was the white girl that came back to the hometown and started fucking shit up. Now people are saying this picking up on this in these Hallmark movies now where it's like the white girl, Oh, I'm so busy and I'm coming back in town or something fucked up. And you know, these coming home movies, that's a black thing too, you know? So it it was good to see that. It was good to see the affluence, but not too much affluence. Cause it's like, Oh, we got to figure out how to pay this fucking these bills. Yep. Lights went out in this motherfucker. (laughs) You know, also that's, that's the thing too, is like just because you own property doesn't mean that you're gonna get a profit off of it. Yeah, you might take a loss too. So it's like mm-hmm. they could talk about selling the house or something, but if it's not worth it, they gotta kind of keep keep it. You know what I mean? So yeah. Actually, it doesn't. It's not like that money comes overnight too. It's right. just there's a lot of challenges when people just see like, oh, you got a big house, you you ain't starving. It's like, yeah, but a lot of this could be on credit, and credit's yeah. a lot different than cash. Right. Now, what did you think? I want to. One of my favorite scenes in the movie was with the catalyst for the way that I guess Monk behaves is he he goes to this book conference where he's he's a, oh, he's a panelist and and nobody really comes to see him and he's all oh, everybody. I've been what? on something like that by the way too in oh, L.A. Yeah. I went to a I went to a black um, centric creatives event. And like yeah. it was a low turnout like that too. And I remember, I was just like, man, this movie was too real already. <laughs> like, what the? <laughs> <fuck>? <laughs> it love, I love it when it's like, oh, that's yeah, that's that's kind of me. Yep. 
for better or for worse. <laughs> I mean, shit. Hey. And so one of his panel, fellow panelists, oh, everybody's at the Sinatra Golden uh, thing, you know, and he walks in, there's like a big ballroom and she's reading from her book. Uh, we live. We, yeah, we, we live in, in the, the hood. Ghetto. Yeah, yeah. And she reads <laughs> and he's like, what the fuck? And white people love it. Everybody loves it. My question to you so so Monk does the same thing. And then when she he finds out when they're and Monk gets on this uh, awards committee, this just jury to nominate, well, I guess like the best book yeah, in, the year. in in, in yeah. Boston or whatever. And he and he's on the panel with a bunch of white people and and Sinatra, who's played by Issa Rae. Everybody wants to nominate his book so monk comes up with this idea so after after finding out about sinatra's book we lives in the ghetto he's trying to figure out what he can do he decides to come out with this write this book under a pseudonym stag r lee with this book called my pathology uh and uh he shows it to his agent he's like we can't put this out this is ridiculous he's like no just go ahead it's a joke it's a joke it gains steam. These publishers love it. He starts stuff starts bubbling up, yeah. and you know, and it, then he gets he gets invited to that jury. And long story short, the book uh, uh, he says, oh, "I want to make this even a bigger joke," and the, I'm going to just want to just call this thing "fuck." I just want to call it "fuck." Yep. I lost it, Chris. Hello? Yeah, you're just, uh, that's weird. Did your mic run out of battery or something? Oh, I can't. <laughs> Damn, you were saying something really profound. Uh, you were geared up towards something. Still can't hear you. Still can't hear me. Oh, I can hear you now. Okay. I, I unplugged it and plugged it back in. For some reason, the mic was trying to connect to my iPhone and I didn't know it, it could do that. So I just cut my iPhone off. Uh, okay. It's like a Bluetooth mic? I guess. No, it's just a regular Shure. No, it's not huh. even a Shure. It's a. Um, That's weird. Road Pod mic. I don't know. Oh, okay. That's probably why I was fucking up. But anyway. I don't know where he he's on this jury. Basically, he's like, I just even want to go uh, double down on it and call this book "fuck" instead of yep. my pathology. Like, oh my god! And the white people are like, oh my god, I don't know if we could do that. And he was like, yeah, do it. And they do it, and it's a hit. It gets uh, put on this book list. The the same jury that he's uh, on, it gets put on there. It becomes the number one book, and it's gonna win. And uh, Sinatra does not like it. He did Monk doesn't like it. Yeah. But they they take a lunch break and uh Monk comes back and uh Sinatra's in there reading a book called White Negroes. Uh <laughs> and he says, Hey, can I ask you something? What did you, you know, what did you not like about you know fuck? And she goes on to trash the book. Yep. And he says, well, what about yours? 
What about your shit? She's like, I researched mine and blah, blah, blah. How did you feel about that scene? Because it almost felt like she did the same shit. Maybe. She did the same shit, but she is interesting. I feel like she was admitting that she exploited people versus Monk just came up with the stereotypes in his head. Yeah. And like told a father son story that's, you know, him in a weird twisted way working out some shit with his father. Yeah. And stuff. Versus she essentially is like, I like went to the hood and like studied <laughs> these people. And yeah. that's why my shit's more authentic. Like mm-hmm. I, I love smug Issa Rae. I thought that that was like a great yeah. role for her. Cause she had recently done something where I was like, mm, um, Oh wait, it wasn't just like a performance. It was project Greenlight. I'm not, I saw the it. Biggest, I'm not the biggest fan of how her and her team conducted themselves. I thought that that was really shitty, especially after going through a program where, it was a struggle to get some good mentoring. Um, well, no, let me take that back. It was a struggle to to get folks to commit to something that they weren't quite sure of what it was. Mm-hmm. And I think for Issa Rae and her team, they knew what that was supposed to be. And they kind of fucking, it set, felt like they set up this director for failure. Yeah, we're talking and, about the latest season of uh, Project Greenlight. You told me to watch it, and I watched it. And I tough, don't man. remember yelling at the screen like that uh, in a long time. It's really, t- dude, I've been in that screening room where they showed the like rough draft or Miko showed the rough draft. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's uncomfortable if like people yeah. don't like something. And the fact that not only was it uncomfortable, but everyone's like kind of looking around like the cameras are on them. And they're looking at the camera like, that was shitty. It's yeah. like, yeah, Miko would run out of it. Like, that's like the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. Why would you give her that script without it being fixed up? Well, because, again, it goes to the studios and production companies trying to exploit writers, which is one of the reasons why the writer struck, was they were trying to get free labor out of her to do a rewrite because she said she was a writer-director. Yeah. It, it's not like that was negotiating her fee or anything like that. Hmm. That's why there's there's added pressure of, like, you got to rewrite this. You got to fix the story. It's like not all directors can do that with another person's story. That And that what made it more frustrating was the previous season, and mind you, yes, they're pivoted for the focus on women and people of color to do this shit because of the last season. But they let that white dude not only throw out the script, but he's like, I got another script I want to do. And they were just like, sure, buddy. Like, wow. You know what I mean? Like, it was so crazy. Um, and in a fucked up way, he got more support from his mentors, from the Farley brothers and Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, than Miko got from Issa Rae's car- uh, production company. At least that's what's portrayed on the screen. But they also had Jorge, I believe, had, were the producers on it. So they had a hand in editing the show. Yeah. So if that's how they want to represent themselves. That's. I, I think there's a reason why you can't download it to watch mobile. <laughs> I think there's a very specific reason why there was no promo for it. Yeah, I didn't care for how they treated her, man. The movie ended up just being not that bad. It was kind of like because you had those that main girl was a good actress that's on black. Kids. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, and the mom was a, is a great actress. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. That I I felt like yeah because you she's like yeah this is what I'm doing, and this is what like I feel like and but she's oh what I didn't like was I know the line was supposed to land about yeah where you see potential I see it already good I, I see that it's already good, and I was like. 
No, he just put out stuff that he thought was good. Mm-hmm. And those characters were black, but it wasn't like we live in it. It's just like this is a character and they happen to be black. Uh she she's just as bad. Oh yeah. And if not worse. If not worse, right? Because she's she's up front and center with it. He yeah. he created alias. Right. Cause it's cause it came, but 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 then at the same time, what makes it even great, it makes it more cool because it's like, oh, that's what people do on Twitter. Oh, you're just mm. trying to you're just trying to uh did she didn't say she I'm she didn't say you're trying to do something something to a black woman, did she? I don't believe so. It was but, just a it was just yeah. a potential. It was like, oh, you hate your people. I don't know if you watched the new season, but I'm we watching. had the we had the first four episodes, and we haven't. Wendell Pierce is just now coming into the play. Like, okay, that's how good this season is already. It's like you already got yeah. the creepy ass brother. <laughs> like that's uh you know the, this Ronnie you, Ronnie. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. the nerd dude that's like, mm-hmm. it's, he's gonna be a problem. No, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Um, I love it. I just don't hear people talk about it that much. I got to meet that kid. I got to I had to interview him and I got to meet him in person and tell him like how great. Like because the fact that they made these two characters like um Kanan and Juke, they made them so likable. It's like the wire, like, but like you get to see what happens to the kids after yeah, the, you know, that season ends. It's like my heart we breaks know. for her. Yeah. For man. Jukebox. Yeah, Haley Kilgore is great. Like, it, I just like it's never gonna fucking work out. She's really pretty too. They like dress her yeah. down in that show, yeah. but like I've seen her in like interviews when she's dre- man, it's crazy. Yeah, she's a beautiful girl. It's just every time we got this audition, I'm like, oh fuck, it's not gonna work out. <laughs> it's gonna work, but it's not. And it's yeah. like, Ugh. but yeah, I, dude, I I think we've we've covered it. I I did. I think before we got cut off, man, I I did really love that scene and i think to your point she was shittier than him probably yes and she yeah. got out of it by hitting him where oh you hate black people <laughs> then you must hate black people because you just you don't you don't see them as good enough but i don't yeah. think that's true he just had his own personal demons that he had to deal with and i think like to your point chris earlier about like um you know, when you're, when you put something out in the world, it's no longer yours. Mm-hmm. I think that's important for us to constantly remind ourselves as creatives, because I think when you're looking for validation, like external validation, that's where you can get tripped. Like that's where a monk could get really fucked up by someone Sinatra said, by yeah. what she said. Like, we're like, you now question everything. You question your blackness again. You question like your relationship with women. Like, and mind you, Monk has a lot of work to do there. Yes. But she's coming at it without the context of knowing who he actually is. And so it's like, if you allow that person who you just had these minimal conversations with have a profound impact on you, that's that's a bad place to be. And so that's why I think that the movie is so good at saying, like, Monk, in theory, can do bad all by himself by the mm-hmm. end. Yeah. And he no longer needs that external validation, whether it's through book sales or through like critics liking his stuff. Because remember, when he gets called to do that panel, when he get, the, the jury thing, he immediately starts with being salty about like they never picked any of his work. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like um, I, as a creative, again, it's it's very important for me to remind myself, like like you said earlier, like I'm good enough. Yeah, I deserve to be here. I deserve to be where I'm at. It may not be this picture perfect, like dream, like, you know, acceptance speech at the Oscars thing that I was hoping for. But as long as I'm happy, as long as the people I care about are, are okay, 
And as long as I feel like I did something to represent who I am and to make some type of positive impact, that's that should be enough. I think that's a great place to end it. Brandon, this was great. <laughs> Thank people, you so much. People were like, what the fuck? Brandon's actually being like <laughs> introspective on this. Brandon's thing? getting woke on this fucking pot. No. Uh, yeah, it's it's it, it was a really good movie. And you know, it's a, a piece is good when it's evocative of so many stuff, yes. so many things. And it's not not just because I see myself in it. I, and, and I'm not saying like I see myself in Mother Teresa It's like this guy's pretty <laughs> flawed. And uh He's very talented, though. But uh, just because you're and just because you're great at something artistically doesn't make you a great person. And you still got to work on yourself just like everybody else. Uh, plug some stuff, Brandon. Sure. I mean, folks, if you like to hear my thoughts on movies, please check out my my movie review podcast, Media Popcorn, with me and the homie Justin Brown, where every week we break down a new movie, an old movie, uh, and we just talk about whether or not it's worth your time and your money. And um, it's a lot of fun. Check that out at mediumpodcorn.com. Uh, and you can just follow me at, uh, on follow me on threads and Instagram. That's usually where I'm at these days. I don't do the X thing really, except for prom- promotional purposes. Um, but you can follow me at threads, Instagram at Frodo underscore Blackens. And I got a few things uh, coming up in 2024. So just, uh, yeah, just follow me there. And, you know, you know you'll see me pop up on the internet or uh, in person on stage in New York. Cool, man. We got to do one of those with the three of us again, because one of my favorite episodes of this show we did was with you, me, and Justin. We re- we did Promising Young Woman and Pieces of a Woman. Oh, yeah. Our, that was one of the best ones. And because we intense. were talking. Yeah. It, I mean, the movies were good, but we talked about personal stuff came yeah. out and all this. It was really good. That's probably one of my favorite episodes. Oh, yeah. Th- we'll definitely do that. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry about the audio problems. Um, We'll talk to you next time. Take it easy, everybody.